Sound of Football with your host, Colin Summer, brought to you by WHIP. What is going on, guys? It is Down to Football, back with another episode. Hope everyone is doing well on this fine Tuesday. It was a great week of football here in Week 7. Seven weeks have gone by awfully quick. We are cooking through this season. Don't forget, it is a 17-game season with an expanded playoffs. A lot to catch up on. Some very surprising teams leading the way. Something that we did not expect going into the season. But with the NFL, anything can happen on any given Sunday. Is everything everyone knows? Crazy things happen. And I'm here for it. We're all here for it. Makes the NFL a little more entertaining. So, let's jump right into things. We got our daily recap. Well, not daily, but our weekly recap. So, the first game. Well, first of all, I want to mention that there weren't many close games that were worth noting. So, I just kind of talked about games that that really caught me by surprise that I didn't really expect. Now, the Falcons-Dolphins game not really didn't really catch me by surprise but this is the one game that was close so I wanted to include it so Matt Ryan went 25 well first of all <laughs> Falcons won 30 to 28 Matt Ryan went 25 of 40 with 336 yards and two touchdowns he did throw one interception but otherwise a very solid day from him Corderell Patterson a surprising breakout candidate at running back is doing so much for this Atlanta Falcons team he had 14 carries for 60 yards and a touchdown Kyle Pitts, the new main source of offense on that team outside of Calvin Ridley, basically taking Julio Jones' spot, is finally starting to break out this game. He had some spectacular catches. He had seven catches for 163 yards. That is a career high by a mile for Kyle Pitts. Russell Gage had four catches for 67 yards and a touchdown. Calvin Ridley had four catches, only 26 yards, but did also have a touchdown. And the defense totaled a sack and two interceptions. Young Hui Ku, in the final seconds of the game, hit a game-winning field goal when they were down 27-28. to Thus, give them 30, and then they beat the Dolphins by two points. On the flip side of things, Tua Tugavailoa, he hasn't looked too bad since he's come back from his injury. 32 of 40 with 291 yards, four touchdowns. Did throw two picks in this game, but otherwise a very solid day from him. He did add four carries for 29 yards. Potential grab in fantasy, might want to scoop him up, maybe a potential keeper option, but has looked fairly good so far, I will say. I would like to see him in in a more demanding matchup like next week against the Bills. So we'll see what he can do in that game. Miles Gaskin had 15 carries for 67 yards, and he also added four catches, only 10 yards, but one of those catches was a touchdown. Mike Gesicki, another tight end, starting to break out. Back-to-back great weeks from him, seven catches, 85 yards, and a touchdown. Jalen Waddle with Tua, to, with Tua looks fantastic, to say the least. He had seven catches for 83 yards, no touchdowns in this one. He had two last week, but still a quality day. Mac Hollins had a touchdown. Isaiah Ford also had a touchdown. Didn't bother putting down the catches in the yards because they didn't have many, but they still scored, and that's what matters. The defense had a sack, a fumble recovery, and an interception in this game, but unfortunately it wasn't enough to contain the Falcons again. The Falcons take this one 30-28. The next game, probably the most surprising outcome of the week, was the Bengals-Ravens game. Wow! Was not expecting the Bengals to drop 40 on the Ravens and win by nearly 
by exactly 24 points. A wild game. Joe Burrow showing flashes of, of MVP. 23 for 38, maybe a couple of errant passes, but had 416 yards and three touchdowns in this game. He did throw one pick, but otherwise a phenomenal day from him. Joe Mixon still coming back from, still working his way back from that ankle injury. Had 12 carries for 59 yards, nearly averaged five yards a carry, which is very solid. Did add a touchdown. Samaje Piran kind of eating into his carries, annoying for fantasy owners, but you do want to see Mixon at full health. He had 11 carries for 52 yards and a touchdown and did add a 23-yard catch. The superstar of this game outside of Joe Burrow has to be Jamar Chase. He is breaking records. Phenomenal player. Obviously, we've talked about it before. A lot of concern in the preseason. Was having some drop issues, and obviously, people love to judge on preseason. But man, has he shut up a lot of people in recent weeks, actually throughout the whole season. Eight catches. For 201 yards in this game and a touchdown, one of which was an 82-yard touchdown. I mean, sheesh. This guy has been cooking all season. Easily the offensive rookie of the year lead, running the pack, no questions asked. I don't think anyone even comes close. What a game from him. C.J. Uzoma, I mean, it was National Tight Ends Day, and a a lot of tight ends had great days. This guy specifically had three catches for 91 yards and two touchdowns, really representing tight ends. The defense had five sacks, no turnovers, but five sacks, that, that'll be enough. Lamar Jackson, 15 of 31, 257 yards and a touchdown, less than 50% completion percentage. You know, the yards and the, the one touchdown is nice, but otherwise not a great day from Jackson. He did have 12 carries for 88 yards, obviously a threat on the ground, but still just couldn't get it done, couldn't compete with the Bengals. Devonta Freeman had 14, 14, had four carries for 14 yards and a touchdown, and he did, he did add three catches for 25 yards. Marquise Brown had five catches, 80 yards, and a touchdown. He continues to improve week by week. He is looking like a potential number one option, especially in recent weeks. Rashad Bateman, rookie wide receiver, first round pick, had three catches for 80 yards. This was his biggest game so far. The defense only had one sack, one interception. Although they did get the turnover, they still get blown out by a score of 41-17. to Wow, did the Bengals come to play. And then lastly, I wanted to talk about this game because I found it super funny. It's the Colts 49ers game. The Colts win 30-18. to This was a wet one. It was a slippery fest. A lot of of, uh, footballs squeezing out of people's hands. People sliding 20 feet farther than they usually would. It was a fun game to watch, but also very sloppy, especially, you know, obviously because of the conditions. But it was an entertaining game for the most part. Carson Wentz has looked really good this year so far. He went 17 for 26 for only 150 yards, but couldn't really do much in the air with it being so windy and rainy. He did have two touchdowns, and then he also had four carries for 23 yards and a touchdown. He did fumble once. Everyone thought it was a pick. But if you really looked at it, he was trying to throw it over a defender into his receiver's arms by just kind of flicking it out. But you could tell it slipped out of his hands, again, due to the weather conditions. But still a quality day from him. Jonathan Taylor continues his hot streak with 18 carries for 107 yards and a touchdown. (coughs) Excuse me. But he did fumble once. You're going to notice that's a common trend with this game. A lot of fumbles. 
Michael Pittman had four catches for 105 yards and a touchdown. His sophomore campaign is looking very solid so far. He has easily latched on as Carson Wentz's number one option. Mo Ali Cox has been a very solid option at tight end as well. He had three catches for 25 yards and a touchdown, a massive touchdown presence from him. The defense had two sacks, two interceptions, and two fumble recoveries. Really quality day all around from the Colts. On the flip side of things, Jimmy Garoppolo, man, I don't think he's it. He hasn't looked good all season. Obviously, he was injured for a bit. But man, he's just he's just not getting it done. Neither is the rest of the 49ers team. He went 16 for 27 with 181 yards and a touchdown. He had two interceptions and one fumble. That is three turnovers to only one touchdown. Not a very good day from him. Elijah Mitchell was the one was one of the lone bright spots for the 49ers. He had 18 carries, 107 yards, and a touchdown. He was gashing the Colts on the very first drive of the game. Slowed down a bit, but still a very good day from him. No catches. Debo Samuel, another receiver that's starting to break out. Seven catches for 100 yards and a touchdown. Good day from him. The defense had one sack and the two fumble recoveries, obviously, from Wentz and Taylor. But, man, the Colts, for the, most, for the most part, it was a close game. But then the Colts took the lead and just dominated. This was their game to win. Uh, again, score of 30-18, to 18, and that will conclude our recap for the week. Our outstanding performers, a few were already mentioned. But we have Joe Burrow, one quarterback, 400-plus yards and three touchdowns. Great day from him. Matt Stafford, 300-plus yards, three touchdowns, no turnovers, a super clean day from him. And then Tom Brady, four touchdowns, just over 200 yards, and obviously through his 600th touchdown pass. Mike Evans gave that ball to a fan, and that fan is getting rewarded nicely. He is getting two, I believe, the uh, two jer- signed jerseys, a signed helmet from Brady, Game-worn cleats and a signed jersey from Mike Evans. He's getting season tickets for the rest of the year and for next season, and he also was given an $1,000 store team store credit. Crazy stuff. Phenomenal, phenomenal career Tom Brady has had, to say the least. Now, for running backs, Dearness Johnson had 168 scrimmage yards and a touchdown. Alvin Kamara... Had a hundred. Uh, wait, before I go into Alvin Kamara, let's talk about Darius Johnson for a second. This guy, uh, he he was DMing people on Instagram trying to just get an opportunity to get on the field and show what he can do. Obviously, Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb both down in this game, not playing with calf injuries. And he comes out against a stout Denver run defense and drops 168 total yards and a touchdown. I mean, what a story from him! It's very heartfelt. I loved it. Post-game interview, super humble guy. Really, really good moment for him. I hope to see him succeed in the future. Now to Alvin Kamara. Obviously, want to talk about that. Alvin Kamara had 178 scrimmage yards and a touchdown. And he, was, he had, I think, 10 catches for 128 yards and a touchdown. The Saints are without a wide receiver one right now. And Alvin Kamara said, okay, I can do that. And he absolutely dominated the, the Seahawks. The score might not reflect that, but he he was the Saints offense the entire night. Receivers, obviously, Jamar Chase with his 201 yards and a touchdown. Cooper Cup continuing his dominance with 156 yards and two touchdowns. And then Mike Evans had 76 yards and three touchdowns. A very solid day from all those receivers. And for tight end, obviously mentioned Kyle Pitts, 163 yards, a career high for him. Mike Gesicki, 85 yards and a touchdown. And there were numerous other players like C.J. Uzoma had 
three catches for 91 yards and two touchdowns. Robert Tanyan caught a touchdown. A lot of people were catching touchdowns from the tight end position, so really good way to represent National Tight End Day. And those are the outstanding performers of the week. Now moving on, we have a segment that I am bringing back because I believe it is time to evaluate whether teams are for real. So the first team up to bat, I have the Bengals. And I'm going to say yes, I think this is pretty obvious. Now, as superb as their offense is, it's looking like one of the most dynamic, a very well-oiled machine. But the thing with the Bengals is that their defense is surprisingly performing at a very, very high level. Obviously, they go out and they get a guy like Trey Hedrickson to throw on the defensive line after a breakout season with the Saints, and he is performing at a very high level. Sam Hubbard is finally breaking out, had two and a half sacks in the last game against the Ravens. I mean, everything is kind of coming full circle with the Bengals. Obviously, there was some controversy during the draft whether Jamar Chase was the right pick when the Bengals were lacking offensive line help, but the offensive line seems to be holding up pretty fine, and Jamar Chase is obviously panning out very, very well for the Bengals. So, obviously, the Bengals are for real. Right now, they are the, they are the number one seed in the AFC, something that is completely unexpected. Do I think they remain the number one seed? Honestly, no. But do I think that they actually win the division? Yes, I do think they can win the division. The second team is the Raiders. I'm going to say yes, but it's very close. And the reason why I say yes is although they have had their ups and downs, they're playing good on both sides of the field. You know, they have weapons on offense. You know, Waller's hurt right now, but obviously plays at a high level at the tight end position, number one target for the team when he's healthy. You have two very solid running backs splitting carries between Kenyon Drake and Josh Jacobs. I think for Josh Jacobs, he's getting banged up a lot this season, but when he's healthy, he's such a key contributor for that team. Kenyon Drake can fill in and be okay, along with Peyton Barber, some very okay backup options. Henry Ruggs is having a nice sophomore campaign so far. And obviously, Brian Edwards has looked pretty decent as well. They have weapons on offense. And the surprising thing is, and it's kind of very similar to the Bengals, is that they're playing good on both sides of the ball. The Raiders have been known to overdraft Ohio State cornerbacks for some reason. And just you know, just overdrafting in general. But everything is kind of coming full circle. Their defense is actually playing surprisingly well. Uh, especially the pass defense. The run defense could use a little bit of work, but obviously you have players like Max Crosby who are there getting pressure, getting those tackles for losses. Very good to have a player like him. But, you know, with, with the AFC looking kind of weak this year, obviously the Chiefs aren't looking too good. I do think that the Raiders have a legitimate chance to make the playoffs. I think they are a playoff contender, so I believe they are for real. The Titans, I think this one's, again, a little more obvious because... They're, they have a great record right now. I think they're 5-2, and two, I want to say. But they lost to the Jets. And yes, that was really, really bad to lose to the Jets. It's pretty embarrassing. But they just throttled the Chiefs. And, and not just that, not just the fact that they absolutely demolished the Chiefs, Chiefs. It's how they did it. The Chiefs absolutely sold out to stop Henry. Henry, I don't even, he might have averaged just over three yards per carry, and he did have the passing touchdown, but otherwise was relatively stuffed most of the day. But the Titans proved that in those, those kind of situations, that Ryan Tannehill is capable of throwing the ball and getting it done. You know, A.J. Brown is a legitimate wide receiver one. You have Julio on the opposite side of the field, struggling to stay healthy, and obviously it has declined in the past couple of years. But to say Julio Jones is a is a very, very strong number two option. It is more than fair. 
So just the fact that the Titans are able to win without Derrick Henry being a gigantic factor is huge going down the line. Very huge. And then the other thing is their defense is starting to tighten up a bit. I Not to be... Didn't mean the pun there. Tighten, tighten up a bit. You get it. Their defense is looking pretty okay. Obviously, they just shut down the Chiefs pretty well. Again, the Jets game was bad, and the defense played horribly. But since then, the the defense has been playing relatively well. And I, I think that is good reason to believe that they are for real, especially with their offense playing as good as they are. You know, people were saying, well, you know, Derrick Henry is unstoppable, but it is a one-dimensional offense. I disagree because I think Brian Tannehill is more than capable when he has A.J. Brown and when he has Julio to be an elite quarterback, top 10 quarterback. So, yes, the Titans are for real. So the three teams that I think have proven a lot this year are the Bengals, Raiders, Titans, and I think they are all for real. As for the three teams that I think are not for real, I'm going to start off with the Seahawks. Uh, their record is two and five, so obviously they're not even in playoff contention at the moment. They're not even close. But if if they had Russell Wilson, I think it might be a different story. But they clearly cannot win without him, and they are in desperate need of getting him back. The defense just looks atrocious. They are sustaining so many injuries. You know, Chris Carson's hurt, and that that the offensive line is a little bit banged up. The offensive line is always really never good even when Russell Wilson is playing obviously he's always had to try and you know do as much as he can on his own to make things happen and the defense the defense is just awful they played a good game against the Saints last night limited them to 13 points but it was raining conditions and a sloppy game on both sides of the field but the Seahawks clearly are incapable of winning without Russell Wilson you know you can't expect Geno Smith to, to come in and, and ball out, but you would hope that he would keep you in games. And I think he did for the most part, but man, it, that Seahawks team is in shambles and, and is just not looking like the team they have looked like in the last couple of years. Well, for the last six or seven years, actually. The second team I have is the Vikings. Now, I th- right as of right now, they are in the playoff picture, but I'm saying no because, the, listen, the offense has weapons. But they don't always perform. They don't always look in sync. And as long as Kirk Cousins is their quarterback, and I think Kirk Cousins is very good, but when it comes down to games that matter or primetime games on national television, he simply does not perform. And and everyone knows that. Dalvin Cook is struggling to stay healthy this year. He had a good game his last game. Obviously, they were on bye. But you have people like Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen and KJ Osborne is starting to break out too. Alexander Madison as a backup running back. They have what they need on offense. It's just the fact that they don't always click and they're obviously in a very, very tough spot. You know, with the Packers taking a gigantic lead in the division, you have teams like the Saints who are playing good enough to get them a wild card spot. You have the Cardinals leading their division. You have the Rams just behind them. You have the Bucks who have a confident lead in their div- in, in the NFC South. So it's just the fact that there's so many other teams that I think are significantly better than the Vikings that I don't think they are for real. And, and then the other thing is their defense is an extreme liability. Sometimes they play good, but sometimes they play absolutely atrocious. And it has been very, very common for them to, to uh, 
play down to their opponents. Uh, we've seen it before. Like, you know, they had to kick game-winning field goal against the Lions, and I understand, you know, anything can happen in, in division matchups, but still, it's it's not what you like to see. So I'm going to say Vikings, no, I don't see them making the playoffs. And then the last team, which has been probably the most controversial team so far this year, is the Chiefs. What's going on in Kansas City? A lot of questions surrounding what is going on with the Chiefs. From my perspective, I think that the lack of protection from Mahomes, it, it, it's it's obviously not helping. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire being hurt, that's painful because he was having a solid year despite the fumbles. He was having a very productive season. And I think with Mahomes not getting the protection that he is, I think that he feels as though he he has to do more than he's actually capable of doing. And that, you know, that's where the turnovers are coming in. The, the, the Chiefs have more turnovers than any other team in the NFL this year. And that's something that's very surprising, especially from Mahomes, you know, and the rest of the players on the Chiefs. I mean, we're talking players are catching passes. Like Tyreek Hill is dropping, you know, really easy passes that are turning into interceptions. They just look out of sync. And it's not good going down the line because they have a tough schedule and they're in a division that's fighting, you know, with the Chargers and the Raiders playing both playing really well. They've got some they got some things to figure out there. And then on top of that, I, th- I think it's very fair to say that their defense might actually be the worst in the NFL. I mean, their run defense, terrible, pass defense, terrible. Everything about their defense is absolutely awful. So the Chiefs, I, I don't know what they're going to do. I-, I think that... If they want to compete, Russell, or not Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes needs to, you know, he needs to take a step back and realize, you know, do what you're capable of doing and stop trying to do all this fancy stuff, you know, these little touch passes and and throwing across your body and trying to get it off field and make these insane no-look passes. And I, and I think sometimes it's necessary, some sometimes, in certain occasions. But for right now, the fact that he's lacking protection, I think that he has to avoid doing those things. And, and instead of trying to make things happen, just throw the ball away. I, I mean, that's something you don't really see Mahomes do because he's usually connecting with Tyree Killer or Travis Kelsey. But without the protection, I think at this point it's more important to just throw the ball away than trying to force something and it turning into a turnover. I, I think that's where most of the turnovers come from, and I think a lot of people would agree. But I just I, – I look at this defense. I don't think it can be fixed. I think it, they have significant holes all the, way, all the way across the board. Everyone is playing poorly. The offense is out of sync. I mean, there's so many reasons to believe that, that they might not actually make the playoffs. So right now, I don't think they are for real because they have so many issues to deal with, along with the Seahawks and the Vikings, all teams that I don't think are actually capable of pushing for the playoffs. Next, we have... Updated MVP, Offensive Player of the Year, and Defensive Player of the Year rankings. Next week, I will be doing Offensive Rookie of the Year, Defensive Rookie of the Year, Fantasy Player of the Year, and Coach of the Year. But for this week, like I said, MVP, Offensive Player of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year. And I'm going to do rankings, not just one player who I think is in the lead. I got a top three for each one. So, number one, I have Kyler Murray. I think this one, I want to say it's pretty obvious. I think it's a lot closer than people think. But he has 2,002 passing yards. He has 17 touchdowns, 5 picks. He also has 126 rushing yards and 3 touchdowns. But the thing is, he's leading this team to a 7-0 record. The only unbeaten team in the entire NFL. And is playing at a very, very high level. Obviously, the Cardinals have a ton of weapons on offense. 
two very solid running backs in Chase Edmonds and James Conner. You know, you have A.J. Green, who's kind of having a little resurgence this year. DeAndre Hopkins catching a zillion touchdowns. Rondale Moore, a very solid rookie. Just traded for Zach Ertz, and he balled out in his first game with the Cardinals. I think that everything is there. The things that Kyler Murray needs to become MVP, he's he's got the weapons. No questions asked. I think 100% he is MVP right now, but I do, I think he's MVP right now, but I think it's very close, so not 100%, because somehow, some way, at 44 years old, Tom Brady is just keeping his name in the MVP conversation. I look at his stats this year, and I don't really know what to say, because for a 44-year-old, and obviously the greatest of all time, this is just incredible, man. What he is doing, we have never really seen before. We have seen players play at this age, but not at this kind of elite level. He's not losing a step. It's crazy. Everyone thought he was washed in his last season with New England, and that no matter what team he went to, they were still going to. Brady was just declining, so it wouldn't really be a huge upgrade. But my goodness, he just looks fantastic. 2,275 passing yards, 21 passing touchdowns, and only three interceptions. I mean, uh, I'm speechless. He also has a rushing touchdown as well, and the Bucks are comfortably in the lead in the NFC South with a 6-1 record. I mean, I'm here shaking my hands, like, just kind of questioning, like, how is this even possible? I mean, you at this point, you just have to respect it. I mean, it's incredible. It really is. And, and you know, I hated the fact that Brady always won on New England, and I was so tired of New England winning the Super Bowl, but even as a Saints fan who hates the Bucs, I mean, I'm starting to just find watching Tom Brady very enjoyable. I mean, it, it truly is. Truly is. So I got him as my second MVP. And then third, I have Matt Stafford. A lot of people might say Derrick Henry, but unfortunately, it's a quarterback award, which I think is really stupid, so I'm just going to keep it as a quarterback reward, or award, not reward. I mean, Matt Stafford's having a great season. He's finally getting the recognition that he should. He's not on a shambled team like the Lions anymore. He's on the Rams, a super high-powered team in the NFC West. He's got 2,172 passing yards and 19 touchdowns, four interceptions, and a 6-1 and record. I mean, he's having a great season so far. Nearly half of those touchdowns are to Cooper Cup. They have an insane connection with each other. But Matt Stafford is what the Rams needed to succeed. Jared Goff obviously wasn't the solution, but Matt Stafford finally on a good team for the first time in his career, and look what he's doing with it. Incredible things. So those are my MVP rankings. Kyler Murray 1, Tom Brady 2, Matt Stafford 3. Now Offensive Player of the Year, I think number 1 is pretty obvious. We have Derrick Henry, who I do think is an MVP candidate. I would put him at 4 if I went to 4. But he is easily number one on the Offensive Player of the Year list. I have non-quarterbacks on this because I, I, I don't think that, you know, because I only did quarterbacks for MVP, I think it should be non-quarterbacks for Offensive Player of the Year. But Derrick Henry, I mean, again, similar to Brady, obviously not to the same extent, but what he's doing and with the amount of carries he has and the workload and everything, it's just crazy. He's literally unstoppable. He has 191 carries for 869 yards. He very well could hit the 1,000-yard mark within eight games, which would be wild. And that would put him on a pace to have 2,000 rushing yards this season. He has 10 touchdowns. So on pace for over 20... So he's basically on pace for over 2,000 yards and over 20 touchdowns. I mean, insane. 
insane. But the thing with Derrick Henry, something we don't usually see from him, and I'm not saying 18 catches is some absurd number, but 18 catches for Derrick Henry halfway through the season is pretty solid. He has 18 catches for 154 receiving yards. No touchdowns off those reception or off those receptions, I don't believe. Let me double check because I would like to make sure I'm not wrong on that. Always got to fact check. Got to make sure I'm right on my statistics. And unfortunately, my computer is moving very slow, but I'm able to figure that out now. I don't think he has a receiving touchdown. No, he doesn't. He does not. He does have a two-point conversion in there, though. But last week, he threw a passing touchdown. Uh, it's really funny because people were saying, oh, you know, you saw the updated odds for MVP, and people were like, you know, Derrick Henry should be in this, and people, other people saying it's a quarterback award. And it's just funny how it's like Derrick Henry's perspective. Oh, it's a quarterback award? All right, let me just throw a touchdown real quick. And that's exactly what he did. It's just really funny, but offensive player of the year, I mean, it has to be a Derrick Henry by, by a good comfortable level there is a good gap between him and the next person but the next person is having an amazing season and that is Cooper Cup who I briefly mentioned when talking about Matt Stafford he has 56 catches for 809 yards and nine touchdowns he is on pace to have close to 1700 yards and close to 20 touchdowns he's having an amazing year Matt Stafford is what Cooper Cup needed obviously Cooper Cup was always good didn't really get to see his full potential with Jared Goff limiting him, and obviously Cooper Cup will get injured here and there. But now he's staying healthy, and he is lighting it up every single game. He is performing at such a high level. Cooper Cup, easily the best receiver in the NFL so far this year. I think there's no questioning that. Do I think he is the best receiver in the NFL? No. But this year, undoubtedly yes. Because then I'd probably put Jamar Chase in number two, but people probably want to say he's the second best receiver in the league, and I'd agree with that. But right now, I believe he is. And then the last guy on the list for offensive player of the year, I have Jonathan Taylor. He has been a focal point in that Colts offense, has been the reason why they have won so many games outside of Wentz playing at a decent level as well. He has 105 carries for 579 yards. That is well over five yards a carry, almost six yards a carry. I mean, that alone is extremely efficient and he also has five touchdowns on top of that he also has 18 catches just like Derrick Henry but has more yards he has 213 yards on those catches and a touchdown he has been phenomenal this year a lot of people you know coming out of the draft when he was a rookie he had such a high workload at Wisconsin that people were a little nervous that he'd get hurt and obviously coming into this season we saw what he did at the end of the last year when he finally started getting you know more carries and he wasn't being limited for whatever reason. And it, the same situation started earlier this year where he wasn't getting the touches, and now he is, and look what he's doing with it. I mean, he's he's one of the most talented college running backs in history, and he's easily translating to the NFL. So those are my three offensive player of the years. Derrick Henry, number one, two, Cooper Cup, three, Jonathan Taylor, and this will be updated later in the season. Our last category, we have defensive player of the year. First off, we got Miles Garrett. He has been a absolute wrecking ball this season. He is the lone bright spot on a banged-up Browns defense. I mean, the stats all across the board speak for themselves. 27 tackles, leads the league with 9.5 sacks, leads the league with 9 tackles for loss. He has 18 QB hits and a pass deflection. I mean, all the way across the board, he is looking phenomenal. I think he's, right now, 
it's between him and then the number two option, which I will say in a sec, between def- for defensive player of the year. I'll explain why I don't think three is quite in it. But overall, really, really fantastic year so far for Miles Garrett. You know, we could expect potentially 20 sacks. That would be pretty crazy to see. 20 sacks, 20, 20 sacks and 20 tackles for losses. You know, and close to 40 QB hits and close to, you know, 50 tackles would be a wild season from him. Very, very good player. Obviously, we all know that. One of the best players in the league. But he is number one for me. Number two is TJ Watt, our defensive player of the year snub from last year. I look, I thought I think Donald's amazing, but I think TJ deserved it last year. But TJ again in the mix, 21 tackles, seven sacks, seven tackles for losses. He has three forced fumbles this year. And you know, in his one insane season, he had eight. I mean, he's been very, very good since he got drafted, one of the best defensive players in the league. Speaks for itself. He has one fumble recovery. He has three pass deflections, and he also has 12 QB hits. So, again, another player all the way across the board getting everything done on all aspects of the field. Easily my number two option. And then lastly is Trayvon Diggs, and I'll explain why I don't think he's on the same tier as TJ Watt and Miles Garrett. You know, the 17, 17, seven interceptions is phenomenal. He's on a, a historic pace, you know, in only his second season. He has two touchdowns on the year as well. 11 pass deflections, 23 tackles. Overall, fantastic season from him. But the one problem is he is a little bit hit or miss. So he's allowing over a 50% completion percentage, which isn't amazing, but it's also not awful. It's kind of just in the middle of the pack. He hasn't necessarily been locked down. I don't think interceptions do not reflect whether a cornerback is a lockdown corner or not. He has allowed 20, 21 completions for 332 yards and a touchdown this year, so he has been prone to getting burned a few times here and there. But to at the very least, I do think he is third on the defensive player of the year list. You know, you could argue Aaron Donald, but I don't think he really ha- his statistics aren't you know eye popping. But it is different when he is getting blocked by two to three linemen at a time. But I think Trayvon Diggs has to be number three on this list solely because of the interceptions, the touchdowns, and the pass deflections along with the tackles. But the reason why I don't think he's on the same level as T.J. Watt and Miles Garrett is simply because he, he again, prone to getting burned. He hasn't been necessarily locked down. You know, there's corners this year who have been locked down, like Marshawn Lattimore. Yes, there was the one long touchdown to D.K. Metcalf last night, but... Some would argue that was offensive P.I. Or just the fact that he fell down and, and you know, Marcus Williams should have hit him, blah, blah, blah. <coughs> Excuse me. And, you know, you have Jalen Ramsey, who, who has been locked down this year as well for the most part. But I just don't think, you know, as great as it is being a ball hawk, the the, the fact that he, he can get cooked sometimes, uh, you know, that's the reason why I don't think he's on that same level as T.J. Watt and Miles Garrett. But I do think he is in a good position at number three right now. We all know how hard it is for a corner to win, you know, defensive player of the year. Stephon Gilmore did it. But you look at, you know, I think Trayvon Diggs has already allowed a higher completion percentage, more completions, more yards, and more touchdowns than Stephon Gilmore did in his entire season. So when you compare the two, like I said, although the interceptions are nice, he simply is not doing what Stephon Gilmore did in in his defensive player of the year season so that that's the difference here that that's the difference so defensive player of the year i got miles garrett one tj watt two trayvon Diggs three and then obviously we'll go back mvp kyler murray tom brady matt stafford 
Offensive Player of the Year, one, Derrick Henry, two, Cooper Cup, three, Jonathan Taylor. And again, next week we will do Offensive Rookie of the Year, Defensive Rookie of the Year, Fantasy Player of the Year, and Coach of the Year. And all of these will be updated a little later into the season. I just needed some time to evaluate and actually get some, you know, players to get some statistics behind them and a good repertoire. So that is it for that segment. And the last thing we got is obviously our locked in and upset picks. We are 11 and 1 on the season. Our only miss was the Cardinals Browns game. Obviously, the Cardinals whooped on the Browns. Browns got a little bit banged up. That was the only upset of the week that I actually thought was possible. Unfortunate. But we hit our picks last week with the, forget who I picked. So I think my locked-in pick was the Patriots over the Jets. And then I had the Bengals beating the Ravens. So kind of crazy. And the Bengals absolutely whooped on the the Ravens. So doing pretty good with my picks so far this year. So my locked-in pick for this week is the Bills over the Dolphins. Bills shot them out already once this season. I think it's more than possible they do it a second time. Actually, probably not. Two is playing at a decent level right now. Um, big upgrade over Jacoby Brissett. Uh, I don't think they get shut out in this one, but I do think the Bills win comfortably. And then as for the upset, I think the Colts can actually beat the Titans. You know, I just spoke very highly of the Titans, but I like what I've seen from Wentz so far this year. You know, he's been limiting the turnovers. He's been playing smart. He looks very spry. He looks healthy. You know, he's got decent targets with Michael Pittman and Zach Pascal and and, you know, Mo Cox, Jack Doyle, T.Y. Hill when he's actually healthy and on the field. But I like what he's done so far this year. And I think it's more than possible, especially at a home game with the fans. I think that the Colts can beat the Titans. Anything can happen in the division matchup. Uh, so I'm going to take the Colts as my upset pick this week. Again, locked in, Bills over Dolphins, upset Colts over Titans. That is going to conclude today's episode. I hope everyone enjoyed. It has been a phenomenal year of football. And I love bringing you this guy, this kind of content. It's fantastic to talk about. I love it. Love every second of it. And I hope you guys enjoy it. That's what I'm here to do is give you guys enjoyable content. And that again, that is it for the week. And I just have one last question. Are you down to football?